Rachel, I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 232. This one's called Sinister Sightings, Earthquake and Exorcism. What's scarier than an earthquake? An exorcism. If you're reading this, ah, I will literally shit my pants if you share it on the podcast. I recently discovered you two wonderful spooky bitches and I cannot stop listening. I stock shelves at a grocery store and I have to get there every morning at 4 a.m. kicking and screaming and you two make my mornings so much better. Thank you for all the hard work and researching and I just want you two to know that you brighten so many lives with your podcast and that's saying a lot giving it's spooky paranormal and true crime podcast. Anyways, I wanted to tell you lovely ladies about the time I experienced an earthquake and an exorcism all in one night. During my first year of college, I went on a few mission trips. I know now that mission trips can cause more hurt and harm than they can be helpful, and I now understand the long-term negative impacts, but to be fully honest, I was 19 years old at the time and wanted to travel, but I was too scared to go alone. So I signed up to go to Haiti during my winter break from school. Looking back, signing up to go on a mission trip you found online with people you've never met before is way more dangerous than just traveling alone, question mark, question mark. Anyways, I've developed at least five brain cells since then, so it's time to talk about the scariest night of my life. This all happened on the very last night of the trip. We stayed at the pastor's house of the church we were working with. The house was just large enough for his family of three, so our group of 12 set up tents and slept on the roof. Sleeping on the roof sounds weird, but many houses in the area had stairs up to the roof that functioned like a patio. We had arrived in Haiti on New Year's Eve, so it was really loud outside the first night. You could hear music, yelling, and partying all night. I expected the noise to settle down after a day or two, but every night sounded like New Year's. The streets were always loud with music and parties. Additionally, with there being no trash service, many people would burn their trash. All their trash. Even aerosol cans. If you didn't know, aerosol cans basically explode when you light them on fire. We heard pops and explosions from aerosol cans almost daily, some loud enough to shake the ground a little bit. After about three days, we tuned out a lot of the loud and weird noises. The house did not have running water, so when you needed to take a shower, you would go to the well and draw a bucket of water, carry the bucket to the bathroom, and use a smaller bucket to pour water over yourself. This is where the story actually begins. On the last night of the trip, I was taking my bucket shower when I heard a loud bang of what I thought was an aerosol can. It was a lot louder than the others I had heard all week. It was so loud that the floor began to shake, but this time it continued for several seconds. As I was contemplating why the ground was still shaking, I heard someone from the team yelling, Roof! Now! Everyone get on the roof! It's an earthquake! There I was, naked and afraid. I quickly threw my clothes on and ran to the roof as the shaking slowly stopped. A few minutes later, they explained that it was a mild earthquake, but we needed to stay on the roof in case of aftershock. We sat on the roof for an hour or two and reflected on our week. As we sat and talked, we could hear several people singing coming from the church next door. They were singing a song in Creole, so I didn't understand what they were singing, but it sounded really emotional and powerful. But it seemed like the song wasn't ending. After an hour of what seemed to be the same song, I said to the group, is it just me or are they singing the same song or tune over and over? A couple of people agreed, but no one really seemed to think much of it. And shortly after, we all went to bed for the night. We went to bed around 7.30 to 8. We had to wake up at 4 a.m. for our flight. After the literal earthquake, we were all ready to knock out. That night, I laid in my tent wide awake with a deep, uneasy feeling. 
I was used to noise and music and singing all night, but next door had now been singing the same song for about three hours at this point. But as the time passed, it sounded more passionate or maybe more aggressive. I couldn't tell. Then they began singing one single verse of the song over and over and over again. Hearing the single line of the song with more aggression was already making my stomach turn with nerves, but I told myself it was just a church that was probably just very invested in their worship. Then I heard it, a woman screaming over the music. I've never heard such a painful scream in my life. As she screamed, the singing became louder and more passionate. It then came back and forth between the singing and the screaming as if they were fighting to be louder than the other. The woman screamed for about five to ten minutes, but then the scream became distorted. I don't know how to describe it other than the scream was not human. It sounded demonic. The scream would sound like a woman in pain and then a chilling demonic screech. The scream alone left me paralyzed with fear, and I suddenly felt a pit in my stomach, and the air felt heavier, and it was almost like I could feel something dark approaching. Just as I began to melt with panic, someone started banging on our tent zipper, and I heard the voice of a man on our team yelling, Everyone, get out of your tents now. We need to pray. That's not a church next door. There's a sacrifice happening. We all ran out of our tents and began praying, but the second the prayer started, I felt something dark coming over us. I don't like talking about this next part because people think I'm exaggerating or that I'm crazy, but it's like I could see a dark cloud coming around us. Not like I could physically see it, but it was like I could see it in my mind as it was happening. The disturbing animalistic screams continued as everyone around me began praying, but I was paralyzed with fear, and whatever was coming our way knew that. We stood in a circle and everyone was praying as I was just trying to conjure one cohesive thought. I was vulnerable. I couldn't even feel my shaking legs and in my mind I could see the darkness overtaking me. I couldn't move or breathe. I started to rest my hands on my knees to catch my breath but I collapsed to the ground. I passed out in the middle of the prayer circle. I don't know if it was a few seconds or a few minutes but I opened my eyes to see someone on the team with hands over me scream praying in another language which to be honest was just as scary as the screams next door. I scooted away from him and tried to gather myself while everyone was looking at me terrified as if I was Lucifer himself. Two individuals from the team suggested we go next door to see what was going on. Fuck that. That's when I realized that I was in fact in a horror movie with dumbass white people trying to die. About half of the team went next door as the same half stayed and clutched their Bibles. People were staying back from me because I think they thought I was possessed. Love that for me. I sat outside shaking with a Bible in my hands for about half an hour until the other half of the team returned saying, good news, it's not a sacrifice, it's just an exorcism. That's when I realized that for the past few hours, I've been listening to a demon scream. I continued listening to the demon scream until about 2 a.m., the next day, I flew back home and I couldn't shake the dark feeling I was carrying with me, along with all my unanswered questions. Was that really an earthquake or were they just starting an exorcism? Did something try to overtake me for a moment or was that a panic attack? When I arrived home that night, I was lying in bed. I felt something dark watching me and I had had enough at that point and said out loud, You're not welcome here in the name of Jesus Christ. Just leave me alone. I felt a tightness come over me and whatever had possibly followed me home was gone. Okay, so why did y'all have to get on the roof during an earthquake? That didn't make any sense. But also, um, sleeping in a tent sounded terrible. <laughs> that I'm more of a glamping type gal. Mm-hmm. Definitely couldn't shower like that. 
I know the things that I'm good at, and I know that roughing it ain't one of them. Same. Also, I think a lot of us, when we're 18, 19, going into college and stuff, we all have that religious spell that we do. Yes, absolutely. Okay, the next one. What made me a believer? Hi, girls. My name is Lily. I'm a 19-year-old from Texas. I apologize in advance. I have dyslexia and ADHD. So if something doesn't make sense, I'm sorry. I'm doing the best I can. I like it when people put dates on their stories. So as I'm writing this, the date is June 28th, 2023. Anyways, I'm going to give a little backstory and I promise it's important. I'm from an extremely small town where the population is around 600 or so. Everybody knows everybody, and only my close friends and family know the story I'm about to share. Here's a little bit of the backstory. On my 16th birthday, my father immediately put me to work by getting me a job at a family friend's restaurant. Because my dad and the owner were good friends growing up, I was held to higher standards and was the one trusted to open and close the store by myself at the ripe age of 16. There were even days when I worked 14 to 15 hours at the restaurant. Child laborers aren't a thing in the town I live in. If you're old enough to work, then you're old enough to pay bills. The restaurant was in an old historical building. And because it's historical, the city cannot demolish it or have any kind of significant renovations. The building itself has had dozens of different businesses, which should have been red flag number one. And most of the previous businesses only lasted about a year. Okay, let me give y'all the layout of the building the best I can. There are two entrances to this building, one on either side. It had windows that wrapped all the way around it, and the inside was interesting. The kitchen and the waitress station were in the middle of the dining room. Basically, the dining room wrapped around the kitchen and stuff in sort of an L shape. The kitchen and the waitress station were separated by a wall and one of those metalish swinging doors that open whichever way you push it. My coworkers and I always thought something weird was happening in that building. Things would disappear, the random pockets of cigarette smell would fill different areas of the building, and several of us had seen things fly from shelves or move on their own on several occasions. It had gotten so bad that there was a point we had to look in the attic because we legitimately believed that there was someone squatting in the building. You always felt like you were being watched. One of the old cooks even named the spirit Cowboy. To be honest, I have no idea why he assumed it was a male spirit. Now, here's where the story actually starts. One morning around 8 a.m., I was in charge of being the one to open the restaurant Remember, guys, I'm 16. If not, I had just turned 17. I had my own key, and I walk in through the side doors, lock it behind me, since we open at 10 a.m., and I had got there early. I remember there were hardly going to be any waitresses that week, and especially that day in particular. So whenever I had finished most of my opening chores, I did as much as I could to help out the waitresses that were going to be coming in in about an hour or so. I grabbed two tea urns that were drying underneath the sink in the back of the kitchen. I thought, might as well go ahead and start making tea since it's the most time-consuming. Southerners and their sweet tea is no joke. I swing one around my shoulder and pick the other one up and swing it around my other shoulder, palms facing the direction I'm walking. With one in each hand, I start making my way to the waitress station where all the drink and tea stuff is. 
I push my way through the swinging door and make a sharp right entering the station when I hear a woman practically yell a full sentence in my ear. It was so lucid and real that I even felt what I assume was the breath of the woman brush across my ear so aggressively that my bangs actually swayed as if there was a breeze or something. I immediately went to tears, dropped the empty tea urns, and ran into the walk-in freezer, slamming the massive metal freezer door behind me. I called the owner and started yelling at him to get down there right now because I don't think I'm alone in the building. Clearly, I had just woken him up for the day, and he half-assed said in a groggy voice, just keep doing what you're doing and I'll be there in a minute. Side note, it wasn't just a fucking minute. I did not want to seem like I was a wimp or anything, and I tried my hardest to rationalize what had just happened. I slowly walked out of the freezer, grabbed a knife from one of the kitchen drawers, and went into the waitress station. I didn't see anyone, so the best possible explanation I could come up with was just ignore it, and if someone was in the building, then just accept my fate. At that moment, I realized I had not clocked in for the day, and being the money-hungry person I am, I walked over to the clocking station, which was by the door in the dining room, opposite of the one I had come in earlier that morning. I don't work for free. I walked back around the waitress station, through the dining room, passing the chairs that are still upside down on tables from the night before, and clock in. As I'm doing so, I hear what sounded like a chair fall off one of the tables I had just passed. I look up and I see nothing has moved or fallen. I'm very confused at this point and walk back towards the waitress station, and as I get through the threshold, I hear this time what sounds to be a pot falling in the kitchen. I look through the glass of that stupid swinging door and see a pot spinning on the floor in front of me. I started crying again, not knowing what to do. As I'm looking at the pot just spinning, I hear the bell from the front door. The door I was just at when I was clocking in. This bell is just a standard thing that lets us know when a customer's at the door and when they come inside. Thinking it's my boss who's about 10 minutes into his one minute, I sprint to the door and I see absolutely no one there. I have had enough. I go to the door and I try to open it and it's locked just like it was when I arrived. At this point, I had tears streaming down my face and frantically unlocked the door, ran across the street and sat on the curb opposite of the building until the owner got there. When I told him everything that had happened, he didn't believe me. He took me back inside his office where he pulled up the security cameras and sure enough, everything that had just happened to me replayed right in front of our eyes. I quit about a month later and the restaurant closed shortly after that due to COVID. I don't want to say that I'm psychic or clairvoyant, but some of the things that I had experienced, I just truly can't explain. After this practically religion-altering experience, I started having severe sleep paralysis in the months following. I would get it every night for almost three weeks and then a couple of times a week and then it dwindled to maybe a couple of times a month to almost once every few months. They were always the same. I would wake up in my bed, laying on my back, and I could see the figure well over six feet tall standing at the edge of my bed. I began to see him so often that I ended up naming him Fred, mostly for my own comfort, because he truly did terrify me, and I thought naming him something might make me feel a little safer, I guess. I could never tell specific details about what Fred looked like, but I'll try my best to describe him. He again was six feet tall, with pointy ears, red eyes, long arms, and long pointy fingers similar to Edward Scissorhands. He basically was just a silhouette. 
no clothing, no color. You could just see the silhouette of the body I just described and the glowing red eyes. When I first started seeing him after my experience, he would just stand at the end of my bed, which had curtains surrounding it like a canopy bed. In the nights following, I would wake up and I would see him in the same place, at the foot of my bed, just peeking through my curtains. He then began to inch closer and closer to me until it would get severe. In the beginning, his torso would almost stretch so his face was hovering over my face and his feet still planted at the end of my bed. Then he would start to scream. He would scream so loud by the time I was able to fully move, my ears were ringing. One night was worse than all the others though. I wake up to not being able to move and I'm like, great, here we go again. I see him, I see him stretch and he's face to face with me. He starts screaming this blood curdling scream. I close my eyes because that's the only thing I'm able to do. That's when I feel his pointy fingers grab my face, peel my eyes open so I'm looking directly at him as he's still screaming. I start to cry, but I'm unable to move. I try my hardest to squirm and move until I'm finally free. I sit up screaming and crying with my hands covering my ears to try and keep my ears from ringing. Ever since that day, I had probably only seen Fred about two other times. I tried to Google to see if what I had experienced was medically explainable or if when people have sleep paralysis, are they able to hear and feel their shadow or whatever, but I couldn't find an answer. I think maybe Fred followed me from the restaurant, but to this day, I still have no idea. I will forever remember that day and the months following because it was the day I started to believe in the paranormal. And the worst part of it all is, ever since that day, I have had crazy things happen to me, not including the sleep paralysis. I accidentally walked up on a satanic ritual thing, cloaks and all, and I have even started having future telling dreams. In some of my dreams, I can predict when and how people will pass away to the last detail. And so much more. I know y'all want to hear about those, but I will leave those for another email because I'm tired of typing. Thank you all for your hard work that you do, and there will be many more stories on the way. Lily. Lily, you made yourself a damn portal or something. Right? That's a lot of responsibility for a 16-year-old. Meanwhile, the owner was probably like, it's fine. Uh-huh. It really does feel like something followed you home that day from the restaurant. Yeah, sleep paralysis is so scary. I know. I do not want to experience it. And I don't know that it's always something supernatural or if sometimes it really is a form of like insomnia but when it's happening after you had all that other shit that feels supernaturally (laughs) yeah okay the next one hey i love your podcast i'm currently on episode 35 i've been listening while i detail cars i have a story that isn't mine but my dad told this story a few times he passed away a few years back so i feel it's okay to forward this on He was on a bus heading to Michigan from Washington State, and he got into a conversation with a guy that seemed a bit odd. He introduced himself as John, and he said he was heading to Washington, D.C. because he had some business with Ronnie. A few weeks later, my dad sees the guy on the news. He shot the president. Yeah, it was John Hinckley Jr. Holy fuck! Now for a short paranormal story. I was driving down Government Drive in Spokane. It was night, but completely clear night, and the moon was bright in the sky. 
Going down the hill between North River Ridge and West Greenwood, there are five cemeteries, three on one side, two on the other. As I got to the corner on the opposite side of the road from any of the cemeteries, there was someone standing at the intersection. It appeared like they were waiting for the light to change until I saw they were holding an umbrella. Then something didn't sit right in my gut. It wasn't raining. Why are they holding an umbrella? I couldn't quite place why it bothered me until my headlights passed over them and went right through them. Oh, and yes, you can use my name, Jeremiah B. Hey, Jeremiah B. is who gave me the slip mouth woman that we just covered. And also, I wish you lived here because I cannot clean my car. Like, that is just not how you said you can't camp and stuff. Detailing my car is just not something I'm good at. I just can't believe your dad was on a freaking bus with the guy just chatting away. Like, he's on his way to a a freaking try to assassinate a president. Right. That is fucking wild. And I don't know. That just has to make you look at everyone and question everything. I mean, just like totally chilly. Like, yeah, I got to go see my friend Ronnie. Yeah. (laughs) What? Also, why are you telling me his name? I don't know him. Yeah, that is weird. But, I mean... He was telling you without telling you. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, the next one. Creepy college campus. Hi, ladies. Liz here, back with more creepy stories. This time, I have stories about a haunted residence hall. I worked in university housing and residence life for 13 years. Basically, I was the adult who lived in the dorms and kept tabs on the college students. While I was in grad school, I worked at Casanova College, a small private school in rural central New York, right outside of Syracuse, New York. The college has closed now, so I feel fine talking about it. My final year in grad school, I supervised a freshman residence hall called Watts Hall, and I lived in the staff apartment, which was just off the main lobby of the building, next to the staff office where the RAs worked. As you can imagine, living in the freshman residence hall was loud and crazy. I got so used to the foot traffic that ran by my apartment constantly during the year that the sheer quietness of senior week may have made me more sensitive to what I'm about to tell you. Or maybe the ghosties waited until all those crazy students were gone in order to make an appearance. Typically, the freshmen would leave for summer break a week before graduation. Then, the only students left on campus were seniors who had senior week. Therefore, during senior week, the only people living in Watts Hall were me and one remaining RA who was graduating. During the week, I would hear her coming back into the hall periodically, and she would always yell, hello, so I wouldn't be spooked. One night, I was sitting on my couch, which was against the wall shared by the kitchen and the living room. I was facing the windows, and the door to my bedroom was on my right-hand side. As I was watching TV, I swear I kept seeing a figure pass by the door in the darkened bedroom. I had a cat, and since he was sitting next to me on the couch, I knew it wasn't him. I kept catching it out of the corner of my eye. It looked to be white or gray in color. I slept out on the couch that night and cranked up some hymns on my laptop to keep the spirits at bay. Later that week, I was doing inspections of the rooms in the residence hall by myself. Watts Hall has three floors and was shaped like the letter L with a small hallway of about four bedrooms and a bathroom as an offshoot on one of the long hallways. I never liked the offshoot hallway on the second floor. It always gave me the creeps and it seemed like there were always tons of roommate conflicts in that hallway with students constantly moving out. As I passed the offshoot hallway, the toilet in the bathroom flushed. 
My blood ran cold. There was not supposed to be anyone in that hallway. I called my RA's name and even asked if it was maintenance or campus security. Silence. I mustered up my courage, walked down the hall, and pushed the door open. Nobody. The toilets had automatic flushers, but still, what could have triggered it? I jetted down the hall, down the stairs, and out into the sunshine and waited for one of my coworkers who could finish the inspections with me. I moved out of Watts Hall into the other freshman dorm that summer, and I ended up supervising the next hall director that supervised that building. His name was Joe, and he was awesome. He was a former D1 athlete and frat boy fabulous, quite the opposite of me, but we made a great team. When he moved into the staff apartment in Watts Hall, some of his RA staff told him that they thought the building was haunted, but Joe said he didn't believe in ghosts or spirits, and that was that. Joe and I shared an office, and we got along famously. We had the same sense of humor, and our office would be filled with laughter, music, and cheesy YouTube videos. One morning, as the school year was winding down, I was already in the office. Out of my office window, I saw Joe running across the quad towards our office building. He entered our office, shut the door. His face was dead serious. Joe was never serious. He was always laughing or joking, and he never shut the office door. Joe pulled up his office chair, sat down, and said, All right, tell me about the ghost. Earlier in the year, I had told him some of my staff's experiences in the building. Joe said that week he had continuously woken up to papers that he had attached to the fridge by magnets sitting in neat piles on the entryway table next to the apartment door. He would put them back and wake up to find them in piles again on the table. Joe also said that all night long he would hear banging and pounding in the staff office that was right next to the apartment. He would hear the door open and close repeatedly, but no one was there. From the staff apartment, if you peeped through the peephole, you could see if the motion sensor light was on in the office. And if you waited long enough, you could see if someone exited. Joe said he did all those things and even called campus safety and maintenance, and they both said that nobody was in Watts Hall on those affected nights. Joe only stayed there for one year before moving to another position at a school nearby. To take his place, we hired a girl named Katie to be the hall director of Watts Hall. Katie had been an RA at the school and knew of the reported happenings in Watts Hall. Like Joe and I before, Katie had an uneventful academic year as far as the spirits were concerned. Another year passed, the Watts Hall freshman moved out and senior week commenced. Since Katie had been my RA a few years ago, we had a great sisterly relationship. The Sunday after the freshman left, I was relaxing in my staff apartment across campus when I get a phone call from Katie asking if I was home and that she needed to talk to me. She sounded scared. A few minutes later, I let Katie into my apartment. The story she had to tell about Watts Hall was even crazier than my experiences or Joe's. Katie said that things had been happening during finals week and freshman move out, but since she was on a one-year contract already and would be moving out at the end of June, she thought she would just tough it out. Katie said that the activity in Watts Hall started out with sounds of activity in the staff office all night, despite nobody being there. Katie would run out into the lobby, hoping to catch somebody, and no one would ever be there. Worse yet, she said that she was terrorized by constant loud crashes from the floor above her that shook the building. She said it sounded like one of the large wooden wardrobes that each room contained had fallen over. She went upstairs to check the rooms in the hallway above her, but nothing seemed out of the ordinary. 
All the dorm room furniture was intact, no windows were open, no flapping doors, nothing seemed to be broken or out of the sorts. She started back down the stairs, and as soon as she reached her apartment door, the crashes sounded again, but seemed to be moving down the hallway away from that first crash and towards, you guessed it, that weird little offshoot hall where the toilet flushed on its own. Katie said that these crashes started a few days before, and as the week progressed, that the loud crashes seemed to be coming down from the stairwell towards her apartment. We checked with the usual suspects, campus safety and maintenance, to see if any work was being done in Watts Hall. Nope, there sure wasn't. Katie also reported feeling very creeped out in the building like something was purposely trying to intimidate her. The next day, Katie texted me to say that she was having her family move her out of the building for the remainder of her employment contract, and she would commute from her family's home about an hour away. Welp, that's just one of my campus ghost stories. I hope you enjoyed it. Creep up the good work, ladies. Love, Liz. Dorms are creepy enough when nobody's there, much less to hear all of that. Uh Uh-huh, but also, did she have Carrie living above her? Because we all know Carrie was a terror to our downstairs neighbors. Look, I'm not going to lie. I thought of that, too. When she said the stuff from the ceiling, I was like, you know what? You probably live next to me because I would take my science books and Donna had our beds bunked and like I would be reading it and then I would just like timber drop that book off the top bunk because I didn't want to sleep with it. Come to find out the downstairs neighbor could hear it every time. (laughs) The floors weren't that soundproof. Well, I was like, it's cinder block. Like, it's like concrete. Like, surely she can't hear she could. Yeah, dorms are creepy. Because it is, like, all cinder block, like, dimly lit hallways, and the bathrooms are weird. It's just all bleh. And, you know, it's different than an apartment because it's, like, a constant revolving of people. Yes. So that's a lot of energy in a place versus, like, an apartment complex. Somebody may live there a couple years and then move out, whereas this is new people Every single year. And it's freshmen, so that's a lot. A lot of drama. Mm, mm, mm. All right, the next one. Hello, ladies. It's Jordan. You know, the guy with the creepy thing that shows up in my dreams named Robert. I'm so happy you got to read about my last experience with Robert. And so far, I haven't seen him since I wrote in last. So obviously, this email isn't about Robert. I'm going to tell you about three creepy places around my hometown in Minnesota. I'll start off with a shorter one first, and the first one being a cemetery, more specifically a German cemetery. Me and my friends found this cemetery while driving around one night in high school. You know, just teens looking for dumb stuff to do. One of my friends knew where it was, and we had just never gone out to it, so she guided us down a country road, and we pulled into an approach in a cornfield. Keep in mind, I was the one driving my tiny truck at the time, and there were five of us in the truck. Two in the back, me and my one friend that got us there in the front. And then somebody on my lap, totally not safe at all, by the way. We pulled up to the cemetery that was deep into a field past the cornfield. This field was surrounded by trees and then a silo off to the side of it. We got out of the car and investigated the cemetery. I got back in and left after seeing that place. There were only five graves in a circle and all in German. And to put the topping on the cake, there was a huge cross looming over the cemetery. This looked straight out of a horror movie. When we were trying to translate the headstones with what little light we had during the night, the one of my friends shot up and started looking around. We all started freaking out, asking what's wrong. And then my dumbass, not being able to take anything seriously, said, What, did you hear a demon? As soon as I said that, we heard the grass shuffling like someone was running through it at us. 
To make things simple, I think we all could have beat Usain Bolt in a race from how fast we ran back to the truck. We have not gone back since then. The next place is what is known as a schoolhouse. I don't know the official name for it, but that's what me and my friends called it. Once again, it was the middle of the night and me and my friends went looking for a spook. We pulled up to the schoolhouse, which was once again along a gravel road in an approach. Sidebar, what the fuck is an approach? Okay, back to the story. Now, this schoolhouse is hella creepy. It looks like the house from the horror movie Monster House. You almost have to crawl into the front entrance. When you get into the house, immediately to the left and to the right, there are two small rooms. If you walk about 15 feet ahead, there's a big room. But the unique thing about this room, there was no floor anymore. Likely, it had fallen through from the years of weather it had been through. As we got closer to look over the edge, one of my friends had fallen through the floor of the schoolhouse. Her foot all the way through the floor. She was perfectly fine, but that could have been really bad. We decided to head down the stairs that were also falling apart. We got to the bottom, and there were at least three inches of water in the basement. The basement was full of garbage and bottles from people who have likely partied here. Guilty of this. Wood debris and a toy boat for some reason? We started to explore different rooms, and a few minutes after we split up, I heard a scream. We all ran to the one girl that screamed. She had found a small crawl space in a wall that had a pile of bones. It wasn't just bones from one thing. It was multiple. It looked like a mini version of the Paris catacombs. And on top of the pile of bones was a cat skull. Even more scary, the place the one girl fell through the floor was right above that crawl space. We got out of there real fast, but we definitely came back to the schoolhouse a bunch more times after that just to explore new things in there. The last place is probably the scariest place around my town. This place is known as Hangman's Hill. There was a trick to place, so it was weird. There was a small house in the middle of a field that people thought was the actual house, mostly because someone wanted to play a prank and put a noose in the top window, but that's not the house where the name Hangman's Hill comes from. The actual house is deep in the forest that you can't really drive into, just enough to where you can hide your car, though. So we pulled up to the forest and began walking through the forest in the dead of the night to get to the house. Once we got there, it was an open area with a barn and the house. And behind the house was a massive hill. Me and my friends ventured our way into the house. We started exploring, finding writing on the walls, secret entries into rooms we didn't see the first time. This time we had brought an EMF reader with us just to see what happened. We all met up on the first floor kitchen to use it. We started asking the space questions to see if we get the EMF reader to light up. Now, I don't really know the story of this place, but I can guess what happened by the name. One of my friends asked the question, did someone really hang themselves here? We all went quiet waiting for something from the EMF. About 10 seconds passed and the EMF reader lit up all the way to the last light. We started freaking out. Suddenly, we heard walking from upstairs. We all looked up and followed the footsteps with our eyes. About 10 steps in, it stopped. After that, we heard a loud crack and something dropped, followed by a creaking noise. We all freaked out and sprinted out of the house, not even looking behind us. The amount of gravel and dust that followed behind our car was crazy from how fast we were driving. Well, that's all the stories I have from these places at least. I'll be sure to write in more if you want about the other places I've been to. I'm hoping to go to the Winchester house next, and I'll be sure to let you know if Robert comes back to see me. Much love, Jordan F. I still don't know what the fucking approach is. Me either. Is that like a driveway? Yeah, I don't know, but it sounds fancy. Or scary. 
It's where the children of the corn live. Right. And I don't want any part of those kids or corn. Actually, I do like corn, but I don't want any part of it. <laughs> well, thankfully, Robert hasn't been back to visit you. I don't know what you got at that house, but you, you stirred up something with that question. You and your friends are all the time up in some business, too. Uh-huh. And th- those places sound hot. <laughs> hot and musky. Oh, yeah. Did y'all wear a respirator? I hope so. <laughs> If not, Dipic Douche has one you can borrow. Have you ever had to have a respirator on? No, I need one going in your dang house. Your old house. Yeah, that old house. Oh, God. Well, because y'all know Donna built a house, and then the house that she used to live in has just been sitting there until she could tear it down, you know, just collecting... Mold. Yes. And, like, I never understood somebody needing that until going in that house after it's been sitting there so long. And it's like, no, like, you really do need that. It's really not just Dibbic Douche being a douche. You really do need that. <laughs> yes. I mean, he is a douche, but, like, take care of your lungs. <laughs> yes. Okay, last one. Psychic boyfriend, question mark. A few years ago, I sent in a story about my boyfriend possibly being psychic. You guys read it on episode 188 of Sinister Sightings. I was so excited to hear y'all read my story, and I've been meaning to send in something else about it, but never did. Before I start, I want to clarify that my boyfriend doesn't claim to be psychic or intuitive. He honestly doesn't think anything of it, and anyone can do it if they listen to their gut. But I think it's something more than that because I have severe anxiety, therefore everything is a threat, and the only time I hear my gut tell me anything is when I have the bubble guts and I have to go to the bathroom. Anyways, I digress. On to the story. This happened a few weeks ago. We ordered Pizza Hut because, you know, carbs and cocks, and he went to pick it up. He calls me to check what name it's under, and after I tell him, I go to say bye, and he asks me to stay on the line. Once he leaves, he tells me he started to feel anxious when he first pulled up to pick up the order, and it just got worse and worse as he was inside. He said he kept feeling paranoid that someone was about to walk through the door with a gun any minute and he wanted to get out of there. Later on that night, it was posted in our local news Facebook group that they, Pizza Hut, had been robbed at gunpoint. It was called in not even 10 minutes after he left. They also shoved them into the office, maced them, and stole the rest of the orders that were ready and waiting for pickup, and then fled on foot where they think they had someone driving a getaway car. As far as I know, they still haven't been caught. I'm grateful my boyfriend didn't get robbed too, but I hate that the employees went through that. And also, why the fuck are you going to rob a damn Pizza Hut and steal people's orders? That's it for now. Y'all the best. I'll be sending more in. Love, J-Bob. But like, for real, don't steal the food. Yeah, that's just shitty. That's like an insult to injury. What do you do? Like, do you call the people and man, like... You'd have to. I mean, you'd, you'd shut down for the night. I mean, you'd have to. Yeah. So you just have to call the people and be like, by the by, sorry, we were just robbed, so... Yeah, what the fuck? Pizza Hut does sound good, though, right now. But, like, I don't know. I just, I don't like, I don't like thievery. No, I don't either. And I, I mean, obviously, nobody does. But, like, those are people, I mean, doing their best, probably making freaking minimum wage, like, just... Like, really, come the fuck on. And, like, maced them and shit. Like, oh, fuck. Here, just take the money. Fuck. Here, take the pizzas. Exactly. Oh, man, they wanted dough. 
Thank y'all so much for sending in all these stories. If you want your story read on an episode, send it in to us at aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and don't get scared.